Yay. I'm going to go ahead and get started. So if you would be turning with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Let me, let me say some things while you all were turning there. If I can get my glasses out here. <clears throat> I know folks have given an analogy of a coin before, but I'm going to give another one. This world has a coin. This coin has the law on one side and Jesus on the other side. Notice I said Jesus and not Jesus Christ the Lord. They look to the law to show themselves. They are not showing this to God. They are showing this to themselves. They look to the law to show how holy they are how sanctified they are, how righteous they are. Just as the Pharisee did, they pray with themselves. I'm talking about some of those who say they are saved. They look to the other side for their Jesus, which is not really a Jesus at all, but they look to their Jesus when they need something. I'm talking about religion. Religion who may somewhat hold to the five points of Calvinism. But their Jesus is a part-time Jesus. You know why? Because they say, He has done all He can do, and now it's up to you. My daughter, when she was young, I think she was about five or six, but she came around doing this one day. And she's just walking around like this. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing? But she was like this, and she said, loser. <laughs> I looked at her. But, but that's what she told me. She said, uh, loser. Now, don't get me wrong. The law is not the loser. You are the loser if you depend on the law for righteousness before God. In fact, if you depend on anything other than Jesus Christ, then your soul, which is ever living and never dying, loses. You lose your soul. And that forever. <clears throat> we know especially some who say they are five-point Calvinists. They do not say this out loud. They may not even think of it this way. But in doctrine, they add something in to Jesus Christ. Again, he does all he can do, and now it's up to you. That's what they say. Here in Galatians, it's circumcision. But then there are some who have been given a coin. This coin has Jesus Christ the Lord on one side and Jesus Christ the Lord on the other side. With this coin, so to speak, you cannot lose. Because no matter what side you refer to, no matter what side you look to, you see the salvation of God. Now, if you would, turn with me to Galatians 2, verses 19 through 21 is what I want to read. <clears throat> For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. 
I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. That last verse. What a serious, sobering thought. Jesus Christ is our only hope. Paul is saying that if what these dogs, these evil workers, these mutilators, and that's what Paul calls them in Philippians 3, But if what they are saying is true, that is, that righteousness comes by the law in any way, then Christ is dead in vain. He is not, let me say right off the bat. And neither is Paul saying that. But if he he were dead in vain, then all hope is lost. But what are we told in verse 19? For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. We are dead to the law. Understand it now. It says, we are dead to the law. And I will show a little bit more on that in a minute. But we are dead to the law for this very purpose, that we might live unto God. And then it goes on. I am crucified with Christ, so when he died, I died. But we have that word, nevertheless, I live. But it is not of myself. I live by Jesus Christ in me, the hope of glory. Then we are told how we live. We live by faith, Marvin. And this faith is said to be of Jesus Christ. So it is his faith that matters. We are told what his faith did. It died for his people that he loved. Paul was saying in the last verse that by saying that righteousness does not come by the law, that is before you are saved or after you are saved, by him saying this, he is not frustrating the grace of God. Because if righteousness does come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. What is that saying? If righteousness come by the law, we don't need Christ. If there is no righteousness in the deeds of the law, then why would we even attempt to do the law? Now this is my title and my subject, and it is a question. Is Christ dead in vain? I hope to go through this from Scripture and may God by his power show you and I what he says to us about Christ and his relationship to us and that apart from the law. So I want to go through the following things. What is the purpose of the law? What relationship does the law have to the believer? And what did Christ actually do? And what is the relationship of Christ to the believer? So what is the purpose of the law? We are never told that the law does anything for us as far as life before God. We are in fact specifically told that the law cannot produce life. All it can do is kill. 
Now, that is needed because if the law does not kill you, then you will never know you need life. Sounds funny to say that, doesn't it? You ever heard the saying, you will never be found unless you were first lost? That's what I'm saying. And not everyone will know this, but let me go on. Here is one purpose of the law. Romans 3.19 says, Now we know that whatsoever the things, whatsoever, what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. The law, if you see it in this way, will cause you to shut your mouth. The law will ultimately cause all mouths to be stopped because the law proves all guilty before God. But believers will be even as Job did, like this. Because the law tells you that if you open your mouth, it will prove you perverse. What is another purpose of the law? Romans 3.20 Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law lets me know about sin. It tells me I am sin, and it tells me I do sin. What did Paul say? I had not known lust, lest the law said to me, Thou shalt not. But because the law said that to him, thou shalt not covet, then he says, sin revived and I died. So there is another one. The purpose of the law kills. Another one, Romans 4.15. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. The law brings out my hatred to God. Because I cannot do it, and I will not do it. The law is fixed. There is no give one way or the other with the law. There are no do-overs, and there are no mulligans. <clears throat> Listen to me. It's not that we might be guilty, or we hope we are not guilty when we die, or when Christ comes. We are already guilty before a thrice holy God. The law has pinned us down so that, that we cannot get away from this guilt. We are under the law as we are born in Adam. We as we are born in Adam and we as believers, having this flesh still with us, cannot keep God's law. Romans 8, 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The law only strengthens sin. You can look at 1 Corinthians 15, 56 for that sometime. We being dead in trespasses and in sin cannot seek after God, cannot love God. We in fact kill God in our heart, in our mind, in this flesh. <clears throat> I remember when someone first began to tell me the truth. I'm sure it was Walter just after being kicked out of where they were before. He was talking to me. And I was told about Romans 9. Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. You want to see the hatred of God in this flesh? You know what I said? If that is who God is, I don't want a God like that. Well, that is who God is. 
And I am thankful that I now love a God like that. I hate God by nature. I have already proven that. There are those who will say that once Christ saves you, saves you then your way of life is to keep God's law. What in Scripture tells man they can keep God's law? I know they will say God gives new life so that you can then keep His law. Where does it say that in Scripture? Nowhere. We still have this flesh. What is the relationship of the law to a man or a woman to believers? This world never experiences this. That's what I want to look at next, though. The... the relationship that the law has to the believer. <clears throat> but first, to those who do not love Christ, those who do not know Christ, the Christ of this book, the law is their way of life. And if you do not keep every jot and tittle, you will perish. But remember, we read in Scripture that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So too late. So the law is to prove or to show when that day of judgment comes, it will prove that you deserve what you get. That is all about I can, all I can say about that. The relationship of that one is of burden, weight, and suffocation. But those who God loves, there is another relationship of the law to the believer. Turn with me to Romans 7. Romans 7. Very familiar. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Romans 7, 1 through 4. <clears throat> know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, Ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to who, him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. <clears throat> if you will notice here that it is first talking about the husband being dead. If the husband is dead, the wife is released. But then it says, ye are dead to the law. The law was not dead to us. The law was very much alive. And some people are under the law. But there are others who it says they are dead to the law. If I'm dead to something, how much interaction do I have with it? But again, it does have a re relationship to us by the grace of God. It is our schoolmaster unto Christ. It's like this and then something else after that <clears throat> not everyone has this schoolmaster but those who do what do we read in Romans 5:20 moreover the law entered that the offense might abound 
But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Favor from God, undeserved and unmerited, abounded much more than sin to some. The law, we are told, is our schoolmaster unto Christ. It is our schoolmaster until faith comes. That's what it says. Once faith comes, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. The law has no more relationship to us because once faith comes, and that is the faith of Christ that comes, not some kind of faith that we work up. It is that faith with it which is the gift of God. When it does, we then begin to see Christ. So what did Christ actually do? Christ did something that the law could not do. See, the law is like an x-ray. It shows us what we are, meaning it exposes our problem. But it did not make us what we are, and it cannot fix what we are. How many of you who get a broken leg go to the doctor and say, can you send me to the x-ray machine to fix my broken leg? Don't work that way. It just shows you where it's broken and shows the doctor how to fix it. What did Christ do? Again, Romans 7. Wherefore, my brethren, you're also become dead to the law by the body of Christ. So what did he do? He died. But not only died, all die, but not all died the way he did. There, that's where we really see the part that the law could not do. We see the righteousness without the law here. What did he do? He redeemed us. If he redeemed some, there had to be something his people needed redeemed from. Marvin's already told us this. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law. That is, we are fit for hell because we cannot and could not do his law. Jesus Christ was made a curse for us, so he redeemed us from Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He, he was also made sin for us. And he knew no sin. Sin was not a part of who he was or is. <clears throat> he was made everything I am and everything I do, and that is sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. Why did he do this? Here is where the good part comes in for those whom he loves. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. <clears throat> Our offense is against the holy God. When we see what the Savior had to endure, we then begin to see how bad we really are. Because Jesus Christ, who is God, cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because of that, I am not forsaken of God. <clears throat> we read in Scripture that Christ came for the purpose of redeeming them that are under the law. 
Galatians 4 and uh, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So what did Christ do? He did it all. He kept the law every jot and tittle because he could do no other. He died being made a curse and sin for those whom he loves. That's what you call grace. But what else can we see as it relates to this law that Christ did? We know the law is holy, just, and good. and It is, and it is glorious. Now, there are some who would speak of a law that has different parts. Now, if you're trying to differentiate some things for study's sake, then fine, as long as you know that, know that it all goes together. If you in, offend in one point, James tells us, you offend in all. But they will differentiate the law, and they will say the moral law was still intact. Let's be clear. The law, all of it, is still intact. For those who are not in Christ, but it will condemn you. But for those who are one of his, what do we read from Scripture? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 3, and I want to read verses 1 through 10. A little bit lengthy, but I want to read this. It's good. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some other epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly fleshy tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones. This was what was written on those stones, the Ten Commandments, the moral law. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceeding glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. Jesus Christ did away with the law. He made void the law. That is the moral law, the Ten Commandments. That's what it says. That glorious law 
was superseded by a more excellent glory. One that could do something that the moral law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. But he could, and he did, redeem a people who were dead in trespasses and in sins. So what is our relationship to him? First of all, how do we have a relationship with Christ? Because we are all born dead in trespasses and in sins. We hate God as we are born in Adam. We are born the children of wrath even as others. God comes to us giving us life and giving us faith. By that faith he has given us, we are then able to have a relationship with him. We've already read that we are dead to the law that we might be married to another. Our relationship with him is a relationship of him being the head and we being the body. So our relationship is being married to him, our husband. We begin to see him as our all. We then begin to see him as our buckler, our protector, and our comforter. He is our love as we are his love as well. Just as the Song of Solomon puts it. Those who want to mix grace and works do not know this. The only relationship they have is one of do, do, do. And that is of the law. They trust in their flesh and that is all they can do. But there is, uh, here is the crux of their problem. Anyone who holds to anything else other than Christ. Romans 9, 31 and 32 but Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. There it is. Those who add in doing anything concerning the law with Christ for salvation or because of salvation are stumbling over Jesus Christ. The only way you will see righteousness is first, if Christ died for you. And second, if you believe God. Romans 10, 4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. What did Christ accomplish for us? Faith. That God-given faith enables us to believe Him. He accomplished this. Christ has already satisfied God. And by his work, that is by his faith, we are righteous in God's eyes. But God then gives us faith, a gift that enables us not to stumble at the stumbling stone, but to believe the record God gave of his son. What does he then do? He accounts that for righteousness. He has done it all, and because of that, he accounts that for righteousness. I need a relationship with such a one as that. <clears throat> I've been accused of, and actually we at chapel have been accused of, and actually everyone here is being accused of, because it's, they say everyone we know and commune with have been accused of being antinomian. Now, maybe you don't necessarily feel the same way I do about this, so I don't want to speak for everyone. But I looked up the meaning of the word antinomian. Here's what it says. 
one who holds that under the gospel dispensation of grace, the moral law is of no use or obligation because faith alone is necessary to salvation. From that definition, I would have to say, I am. But I want to be clear. I'm not totally antinomian when it comes to the law. My answer to someone now if they ask me if I'm antinomian is this. I am and I am not. Turn with me to Romans 3. Romans 3. <clears throat> Romans 3, and I want to read verses 24 through 27. <clears throat> Romans 3, 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. First of all, I'm not against God's law. No believer is against God's law. I don't want to break God's law, but I do all the time. I know there are those who will ask the questions, these mutilators, they will ask this question, so you don't think thou shalt not kill is still valid? It is still valid. They have some idea in their mind that they do not murder in their heart. When you try to add something to Christ, you are doing just as those Jews and Gentiles did long ago and just as I did when I said, I don't want a God like that. When you do this, you are killing the Lord of glory afresh. That is murder. That is killing. And there is much more that could be said about that. <clears throat> but the Lord died once and once only. You remember what our Lord told the, the Pharisees in Matthew 5, 27 and 28. Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. They think, they think it's a hands thing or it's a feet thing. I mean by that they think it is doing or not doing on their part, which they might can do, I mean, at least to some extent. But our problem is a heart problem. We may not outwardly do something, but in our old Adamic wicked heart, we are devils. And we will not and we cannot keep God's law. We will murder Christ if God Almighty takes his hand from us. With the law, all the sinner will hear is this. And this is a sinner who has been shown he is a sinner. They will see from the law, sinner, guilty, condemned, unclean, and hell-deserving. But with Christ, all we hear is this, rest. It is finished. What did Boaz say to Naomi, Ruth 3.13 we read, Tarry this night. It shall be in the morning that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, 
Let him do the part, the kinsman, kinsman's part. part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then I will do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth. Lie down until the morning. Rest. I will see to it that the thing is done. Not do, done. And he has. Now let's go back to our text and read it one more time. One more time. Galatians 2, verses 19 through 21. For I, through, for I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ, is dead in vain. Now I'll ask this question one more time, and you can answer it out loud if you feel so led. Is Christ dead in vain? So be it. 